information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. Everyone, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Jana has been so gracious to swing by. Uh, we are at the draw booth, and for those of you that don't know, the draw helps you with tag applications and everything like that. Tag application strategies, they'll even apply you so that you don't miss deadlines, which I don't know about anyone out there, but I've missed deadlines and it really sucks. You know, you're looking forward to a hunt and then you look back and you're like, well, so much for applying there. Exactly. So that's what these guys do. So thanks to the draw for allowing us to use their table and everything like that. And uh, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Oh, me. it's my pleasure. It. Uh, I have the gift of gab a little bit. So this is good. <laughs> this is good. It's funny. We started out before we uh, were recording. I'm like, what do you want to talk about? He's like, we're going to gab. I'm like, oh, I got this. Score. Yes. I we fit in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I've, I've followed you for quite a while in various aspects, whether it be through social media or TV shows or whatever like that. And I just have always respected you and your authenticism, however you say that word. And it's just, it impresses me because I, especially with social media, right? You see the opposite side where whether it be woman or man that doesn't know how to hunt and then they try to tell people what to do and, and it's just like social media has created this whole monster. So watching you, I just have always, I've always respected you and your authenticity. And yeah, so I just, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Well, I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. I'm, when you think about sort of what characteristics you like to see in people and the people that you admire or emanate, um, in my opinion, um, being told I'm authentic or grounded or down to earth is the biggest compliment anyone could ever pay. I just, I feel really blessed to have the platform that I do. Um, but at the same time, I'm just a diehard hunter who loves to be outside, who loves to hunt and fish, who is lucky enough to have, I always tell the story, it's kind of funny, my dad, I'm the second girl and my parents only wanted two kids and pretty sure he wanted a boy and didn't get it and sort of turned me into one. That's been the joke of our family for a long time, but it's kind of true. You know, he did, my dad did see in me sort of this love of nature, you know, always outside, always catching frogs. I grew up out in the country and um, my sister and I, we could not be more opposite. She only goes outside to get to her car. Um, where <laughs> I, <laughs> I uh, you know, just gravitated. And so when I was old enough to walk the pheasant fields of Wisconsin without complaining, he would let me take along. And I was his shadow all throughout grade school. He was smart enough to sign me up for hunter safety when I was 12. That was in, you guys can do the math, 1983. And so I was the only girl in hunter safety. And at times have changed so much. Right. It's so great to see a lot of younger women getting into hunting and being a part of it all but uh no it's just uh authenticity is a beautiful characteristic in people it's what i gravitate towards so i think we're gonna have fun here just chatting about real life yeah so how how did how did you know the tv show and the career in the outdoor industry come about i mean yeah you, you already mentioned that absolutely you were into the outdoors and everything like that but i mean even at a young age where in your mind were you thinking this is this is what I want to do to make my money. No, which is really <laughs> funny. My path in life. So I've always, I've even, even when I went into college, I've always really been not, I've always been goal driven, but without a distinct goal. And some people who are really into goal mapping would say, well, that that's not really <laughs> then goal driven when you don't No, I've, I've always been very in tune to the doors that open in front of me. When I went into college, I didn't, I, ne I didn't necessarily want a degree that would pinhole me into a specific career path. Correct. I wanted something I could do because I know me. I know that I love spontaneity. I love change. I love to grow and evolve and learn. And so I chose marketing and public relations because it's so broad and right. it literally is, I, it's been what I've been doing, but in so many different aspects since I graduated college when I was 21. So Absolutely. yeah, I worked in outside sales. I worked in radio advertising. 
I worked for the financial industry for 10 years for Edward Jones, all in a marketing capacity. And so it's funny how I got started with Skullbound TV is, again, just kind of doors that had opened. So I had gone through a divorce. I lived in Wisconsin. I met a guy from Montana and we started a long distance dating and we were both huge hunters. And that's really what draw us. In fact, I was outdoor riding at the time just for fun to um, stay connected to other women hunters. Because right. back in the day, I mean, there really weren't, even 15, 20 years ago, it was a different ball game. Oh. There weren't there weren't that many women into bow hunting, which is what I was really into since, the, since I was 19. I think I got my first bow when I was in college. What was your first bow? I got I to stop oh, you. So what was your first laugh. bow? A Darton Jr. <laughs> That's that's crazy. I shot my first deer with a high country. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. Darton is a name that's been out there for a long time. But I, I, I the Darton Junior. I, I don't even know if I was pulling even thirty pounds back then. Like seriously. And I got a doe my first year, and I was so excited. Like. It was such a rush. And the, I'll go back to that story here. Actually, I'll just go there now. So when, so I grew up bird hunting with my, my dad, you know, pheasant hunting, duck hunting in Wisconsin, not turkey. He never turkey hunted. I got into that later, but definitely grew up bird hunting. My high school boyfriend was into bow hunting. And so I would go out and sit in a stand and he'd be across the woods, you know, and it never failed. I always saw more deer than he, I swear. That's an energy <laughs> thing. But, um, but I really loved, like... Love just being out there, right? Just watching deer walk underneath right. you. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. And when people ask me, how do I get my kids involved? Or how do I get my wife? Or how do I get my girlfriend involved? Let them just go out there Experience with you. Yeah, it. just shadow. Just put them in a tree stand or a ground blind or take them on the hike, you know, which a lot of Western hunting, we hike our butts off. Just take them along and let them shadow you because they're going to slowly, don't throw a weapon in their hands. I just don't think that's the best way to go about it. But so when I was a freshman in college, my dad had just gotten into bow hunting too. And he called me up and he said, I just shot my first buck. I can't find it. You want to come home and help me look? And I only went to college 15 minutes from where I grew up. There you go. So I said, yeah, okay, I have a morning class and then I'll come over and help you look. And we met at the house and we went one mile down the country road and walked into the woods and showed me where he shot the buck. And this is so funny. You're too young to probably remember these. They used to have these string trackers for bows. This is literally back in 1991, I think. They used I, to have I was these, born. Yeah, really? Yeah, see, see? They used to have these string trackers that you tie to the base of your arrow that actually were connected to a spool on your bow. And so you shoot the deer, the arrow goes through, hopefully, or at least halfway through, and then this strings the arrow out. I only saw him like that. I've never used one like that year. But we followed the string until the string ran out. And then it kind of, we looped back around and we were kind of combing through this corn maze. The corn was still standing. I said, Dad, over here I got some tracks that, that look fresh. And they look like they're kind of dragging. And sure enough, like three rows down, I find, Dad, 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 here's your buck. I had never seen my dad more excited. My dad's a really, really funny guy, great personality. He's been on my show tons. But as far as like jumping up and down excitement, he literally still equates finding that beautiful buck to the birth of his two daughters. (laughs) (laughs) No no joke. And I remember thinking, wow, like that's exciting. I want that. I want to know what that's like. And then that same year, I met a friend of one of my roommates who she was a bow hunter. And I... It's really funny. It took that aha moment of, I'm like, oh my gosh, you bow hunt? Well, my dad just got a buck and I helped him find it. And, but I can't really pull, pull his bow back. Like, how do you do, you know, it was really literally one of those. There weren't a lot of women on TV. There weren't a lot of hunting shows. I guess in college, I don't even remember having any kind of hunting shows on the TV. So, um, yeah, she was like, well, you got to get it tuned down for you. You know, you got to get a bow that fits you. And that was sort of the aha moment. I went to a bow shop that year got a bow, started practicing. That next year, shot my doe, my first doe. That's impressive then, yeah, in a that year, was though. Literally, That's impressive. Yeah, yeah, really, because the average is seven years, you know, yeah. seven years of yeah. hunting per animal. <laughs> but um, I've just been hooked, and it's been almost 30 years since. And I know, it's just insane. So fast forward, so I worked for Edward Jones. I went through a divorce, um, met Jim in Montana, my former producer slash former boyfriend. But You know, everything happens for a reason, and uh, we're going to keep it authentic and real here. So I've had the most amazing decade ever of my life. I moved out to Montana. I love it. I still live there. I live in the Bitterroot Valley. 
Um, where Where is that? What's it next It is to? right outside Missoula. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. And I mean, literally, I can start hunting bear miles from my house. Bear, elk, deer. That's pretty um, wicked. Mostly muley is a couple hours away, but you can hunt whitetail right there. Um, antelope is a few hours away. Tons of wolf hunting. I just shot a mountain lion last week with my pistol. Like, just incredible hunting right there. So, the last decade I've had have been Skullbound TV. So, how we started the concept of the TV show was um, I had been an outdoor writer for a variety of magazines and womenhunters.com. Uh-huh. Back in the day, womenhunters.com was seriously like the only major website for women. Now there's a lot of other great ones. There's Women's Outdoor News, The One, and a right, lot of right. other wonderful women's websites. But um, I wrote an article called Independence Day, and it was about a climber tree stand that I used to kill my biggest whitetail out of. And I wrote it for Bowhunter Magazine. I was in that same magazine that uh, Jim, my former producer, was in. That's how we met. We started long-distance dating. And he was actually producing a different show at the time, but he wanted to break off and do his own thing. And he's like, there aren't any solo female-hosted shows on the network. Why don't we do our own show? And then I've always been a skull artist just for fun. I paint Uh and bead skulls. So we're like, we could call it Skullbound. And at that same time, when I was still living in Wisconsin, Animal Planet... Of all networks, yes, Animal Planet, <laughs> got Greeny, you know, Animal Loving, Animal Planet, contacted me about doing a show about my artwork because they thought it was so crazy that I beat and paint all these animal skulls and I raised money for my conservation groups that way. Yeah. And I was doing that long before Skullbound TV. <clears throat> so they came to Wisconsin, they filmed a pilot. The pilot never went anywhere, but that was the same time I started dating Jim. And so... We thought, well, if Animal Planet thought it was interesting about your artwork, why don't we do a hunting show that ties in your artwork and ties in the message of conservation? Yeah. So literally, that's how we started Skullbound TV. We got a bunch of hunts filmed in one year. We went to the Sportsman's Channel. They said, we want it. We love it. Let's go. In fact, I'm giving a seminar here on Saturday at 3 p.m. And it's called... uh, Which room? Uh, right upstairs, I think I, good question, I'm not sure, in one of the <laughs> seminar rooms, <laughs> it puts me on the spot, um, but it's called Technology, Trends, and Taboos of the Hunting Industry, and I'm going to spell it out of what I see going on in the industry right now, what's happening with TV right now, if you want to start a TV show, what what's kind of going on in TV world, right, right. what's going on in the social media world of it all. Yeah. But it has been an amazing nine-year run on the Sportsman's Channel. I, ca- I cannot say how wonderful that network has been to me and other women, just promoting other women's shows. Melissa Bachman has an amazing show on there, Winchester's Deadliest Passion or Deadly Passion. Um, but anyway, that's what I've been doing the last 10 years, nine, nine years being on the network. I am now shifting, and I am taking over full production of Skullbound Chronicles, which is going to Carbon TV. Okay. It is on there right now. There's 16 episodes on there right now, which are just highlighted episodes of the last decade. They're just kind of brief, five, six-minute videos, highlights of hunts that I've sort of picked it from in the last hand-picked. 10 years. Yep, handpicked cool. the last 10 years. And um, I kind of wanted to see what it would be like going, you know, on Carbon TV. Uh, what were the view? What's the viewership like? What was the reaction of my partners, my sponsors? And quite frankly, the views have blown me away. Really? Come, yep. That's cool. Um, the another avenue to go is to go the YouTube route, which a lot of people are on right now, mm-hmm. and it works for them. I feel like I'm late to the YouTube game a little bit. Um, I also feel like it, it's scary that YouTube can be discretionary. They can put the little censor things over your videos. Yeah. You know, they can take it inter- away. I, exactly. <laughs> I have a, uh, Alexandria Kincaid is a friend who is an attorney and she's a 2A attorney, does a lot of videos on our gun rights, has written books. She's an amazing woman. She's actually had her videos censored and taken down. So it's the YouTube thing kind of scares me. So that is why I chose to go with Carbon TV. And it's been a super awesome choice. So now, instead of being on the network and on Carbon, the second half of this year, I'm taking brand new episodes. There'll be 10 brand new Skullbone Chronicles episodes released on Carbon TV in 2020. Wow. Yeah. That's so, that's super exciting. I'm ex- it's exciting because it's a free platform. There's it's not a subscription based like a lot of the other hunting subs, you know networks are going. It's free. It's online. It's anytime. It's shareable. I mean that's the technology we live in these days. Now, <clears throat> are you able to 
take what you put on YouTube and put it on Carbon TV? Yes, yes. If you are someone who has content on YouTube but kind of wants to dabble in another market that's maybe strictly hunting and fishing, yeah, yeah there are a lot of people that have shows on both. Yep, gotcha. not an exclusivity. Every contract's different. Same thing with the network, though. A lot of people don't understand that when you sign a network contract with Sportsman's or Outdoor, um, it you don't you can sign an exclusivity or not like they're and it's negotiable you buy that time slot and then you can sell the advertising 30 second commercials 15 second commercials right. billboards segment sponsors within the show and you can buy one minute of content you can buy the seven and a half minutes of content of ad content that's on the show it's all different and when you start to learn how the business side of things work it makes a little bit more sense and i'm happy to help in any way i can it's probably one of the biggest questions people ask me how did you get a show on tv right well, luckily i had met you know jim who had a different show on tv he knew how the whole production side of things go you have to know the business side of it before you jump in because it's pretty like any like any industry you've got to know the business side of it to be successful agree and i and i think too i think it's unless you know somebody in the space it's really it's almost daunting oh for sure you, know, you really think about it because if i as as i'm starting to get to know more and more people like yourself and like willie schmidt with pure hunting and stuff yeah. like that i feel like any questions i have about it i can just say hey what does this mean? Yeah, or, or is this how it really works? Yeah. Or, or yeah. am I getting scammed over here? Yeah, or, what the hell are these people talking about? Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> it's a business for everybody, right? And you work with partners and sponsors, but on the flip side of that, when you're producing a show, and it, whether it's on YouTube or Outdoor Sportsman's Network, you are typically, you're paying a cameraman. Mm -hmm. And if it's a good cameraman, you're paying a four or $500 day rate. You're paying an editor. You're probably paying a graphics guy. And so there's a lot of money involved. And not only that, if you're hunting public land, you've got to pay, you're paying for filming permits. You're paying for the insurance to be on those lands. It's it's costly. It's a costly game. And if you want to get into it, you've got to have the bases covered. That's the one that I think is the craziest. And I, th I think probably the most the most one of the biggest aspects of filming a hunt that people don't know about is the filming permits right it's nuts it's crazy on <laughs> average it's 150 dollars a day in a lot of states on yeah. public land the public land that everybody else just gets to go and literally yeah. you're not i understand back in the day when filming permits were implemented they were so filming crews couldn't go into public land and make tracks in the road and trash the place yeah. and you know drive over little shrubs and whatever you know like stuff like, that makes sense yeah exactly i'm not <laughs> filming dances with wolves i'm filming skullball tv there's two of us you know it's yeah. completely different Different. His but, tripod might make a hole. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> three guys hunting are making way more impression on the land than me and my cameraman. You know, <laughs> yeah. but it is what it is, and you got to follow the rules. And uh, it can be quite costly. So yeah. people, it's just stuff people need to know when they're weighing into is this something that I want to get into? You know. Right. Yeah. Right. So with that, I mean. I think uh, there's just so many aspects, and you would know much more than, more about much more about the aspects of actually having a TV show mm -hmm. on the network. But when it comes time to start approaching companies and saying, "Hey, this is my idea. Uh -huh. Would you like to get on board?" Is that something where you typically approach them with? either several or most of your episodes done and you say, hey, this is kind of what I've got. Yeah, not necessarily most of your episodes, but what most people put together is a reel, a, a highlight reel okay. or a demo reel. Yeah. And they'll take that reel to oftentimes to shows like SHOT Show, you know, where there's they can hit up eight companies in a day if they're yeah. pounding the pavement, yeah, no you kidding. know. And they can go to a gun sponsor, optics, camo, you know, the big categories. And they can say, this is my reel. This is my highlight reel. Typically, you want to keep it, you know, under five minutes, six minutes is about the attention span or, you know, that you're really going to grab. Especially in today's well, world. Oh, it is. We're <laughs> such a fast page. We're like, you know, I want it from Amazon. It better be at my doorstep tomorrow kind of society. <laughs> should have been that, here yesterday. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not able to pull it up on my phone, it's not worth the hassle kind of thing, you know. So, um you don't have to have what an exact episode. When we did Skullbound, we did a pilot reel and one demi up dem, demi. Uh, <laughs> very funny. Someone walk by me sticking their tongue out. Um, one demo episode of what it kind of looked like. Right. Um, and I. It's funny because 
we both had former relationships with people inside the hunting industry, which really helped. It really yeah. helped get a start. I had already done a lot of conservation work before Skullbound, so I had, I had relationships with the conservation groups. Um, I had some relationships with companies because of my writing, uh-huh. and that was really a big benefit. But I really think, like, if I were to give sound good advice to somebody who <laughs> wants to start a TV show now, I would ask them, what's your shtick? What makes you different? There's hundreds of them out there. There's good ones, bad ones, everything in between. Um, two major questions I get is, how do you even start? And what do I have to get camera-wise? And what, what does my uh, show have to look like? What's the production quality? It's a real fact when I say, you don't have to have Nat Geo production quality right. to have a successful show. There are a lot of guys who have fly by the seat of their pants, but it but it's either they've got great characters, you know, they're super fun. There has to be something. Yeah, it has to be something special, especially nowadays. Like, you know, I've only been in the game 10 years, but even in this last decade, the industry has changed so much. How we watch our adventure TV is changing, how, how companies are partnering with people. Even in the last two years, that's what my seminar is on, there has been a huge shift on the social media side of things within the hunting industry yeah. and the whole influencer, the whole Instagram huntress or hunter or influencer <laughs> companies are not caring about how many likes that person gets. They're caring about the relationships a lot more. They're caring about the messages they're getting out with the right people, the right branding. That's and good. It is really good. I think for it's, a while, I think it, it was the opposite. Crazy. It was crazy. It really was. It really was. And, you know, you'd see guys commenting really negative comments about oh yeah because she's shooting her bow in her bikini blah 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 and i kind of agree with that like just and what companies are slowly seeing is that the the likes don't translate to sales to right. dollars right and uh, they might you have to ask who's <coughs> clicking like and then you have to ask yourself where's the credibility because they're, right. otherwise they're not selling anything they're selling themselves which hey more power to you if right. that's what, and there are a lot of gals and some guys that that's why they're on there they're they're on there to become social media and they're not really you know out there to go anywhere else no exactly yeah. they're out there for the likes and that's fine <laughs> and more power to you you know i'm all about women being in strong capable whatever they want to do hey more power to you it might not be my style or flair but <laughs> Girl, more power to you. Well, but I'm telling you right now, hunting industry companies are now really gravitating towards authenticity, legit women who walk the walk, talk the talk, mm-hmm. you know, and know what they're talking about. Yeah, and that, and that's you know, like I mentioned at the very beginning, with you being so authentic, and and the reason I brought that up is because my wife hunts, mm-hmm. and she does it because she likes to hunt. Shocker, right? Yeah. And she walks and miles and packs everything out and guts her own, you know, she does all of it. Yeah. But, and then I see, and it's, it's, I think it's slowly starting to kind of taper off. It is shifting. But there for a while, it was like, here's all these girls in bikinis. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't, but all we're seeing is pictures in bikinis. Oh yeah. And they're getting like sponsorship. I'm like, what the F? Well, keep (laughs) this in mind though. Or they're like my big thing, or they're posing with someone else's animal. Yeah. That 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 too. Oh, that has gotten outed a lot. And I, I, there's no way to ruin yourself faster than to pose with other people's animals. But, uh, (laughs) but I, I really see a huge shift and I think companies are wanting to deal with, um, like I said before, the authentic, even, I don't even care if you're brand new, but act like you're brand new. Like to me, if there was a gal who was like super cutesy and she was brand new and like really gung ho into this whole thing and kept it authentic, like, Oh my God, I've never done this before. I'm a little freaked out, whatever. I would way more gravitate towards that than some gal acting like she knew it all. And uh, acting like <laughs> someone is shining a red dot right now. It's kind of funny. Um, anyway, sorry, uh, squirrel. Yeah. Um, no, I just it's it's really it's interesting. You know, it's the psychology of it all. And yeah. I, having a marketing and public relations degree, I'm all about branding. I'm all about um, 
keeping things authentic and real and it's it's I'm I'm really into the psychology of branding and why companies do what they do and it's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky though. Like honestly so lucky. I have basically had almost all of the same partners I've had this whole ride. The whole last 10 years. I've had Nasler and Cryptech and Vortex and Onyx and they've just been incredible partners of mine that have been here for the ride. They're like, yep, whatever you're doing, we believe in you, we're behind you. You know, I've just been really, really lucky to work with brands that I believe in, they believe in me. It's a deep relationship, Yeah. you know? And well, I can talk the talk. If you wanna talk about optics, if you wanna talk about right. guns, you know, I think that that's becoming apparent when you kind of read the threads on some of, some of the other, you know, posts of, you know, are they really using these products? Are they really, yeah. you know, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, I mean, I don't, I think lucky is the wrong word. Um, to me, that comes off like you downplay yourself because you earned it, right? Well, I appreciate it. Well, that. I mean, you earned it and you continue to earn it or else they would be like, no, see ya, <laughs> right? I mean. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, the average TV show is a three-year TV show on network. That's right. the average. So I've uh, surpassed that average. It's been a wonderful ride. I'm really excited about the next chapter. I'm excited to kind of ride the digital wave when it's still, you know, not still crashing there. over my head, you know. Yeah. Um, I am. I just, think about it. If you are a company that um, supports a, a TV show, and I mean, whether it's YouTube or on networks, whatever. But you're now, anyone can watch it anywhere in the world at any time. It's free. Anyone can share it. It can get mass blasted. I mean, there are just so many benefits to that. Right. You know, and let's just face it, the social media era that we live in today, it's it's crazy. It is. It's just crazy. It's changing. Um, and I think TV is slowly yeah, it's just away. at least it's changing. Yeah. I'm still a TV watcher, but I watch it through Sling or right. Roku. Somewhere you know, I can just yeah, it, do it when I want. Exactly. Like, um, you know, I have Sling or Roku. I have Roku, and then I have Sling, which is like, if people don't know what Sling is, you get like for 30 bucks a month versus a $180 cable bill. <laughs> but for 30 bucks a month, I still get History Channel, Nat Geo, Discovery. You know, I kind of like those networks yeah. as well. And then you, for five bucks extra, you get Sportsman's Outdoor and Pursuit. So you get the hunting networks for that amount. Um, and of course, I got, have Sling through my Roku stick. But if you go onto Roku and in the search, you type in Carbon TV, it just won't, you can, it's right there. Look so, at all of it. Yeah, and then it's right there. If you add it to your menu, it's right there with your Netflix, Amazon, Sling, Carbon. So you can, I'm still, I don't watch TV on my laptop or on my phone. I still watch it on the TV mm -hmm. at night, but you can load it into your TV and watch when you, like you said, when you want, what you want. Yeah. Uh, short, brief, five-minute episodes. Fast without, forward. Yeah, no commercials. <laughs> yeah. I will have a commercial at the beginning of my shows just because I partnered with Chevy. Um, which I'm really proud about. Um, so, but other I than that, that, it's didn't not come easy. No, that's a long road. Yeah. But um, Chevy is very proud to be a partner with a lot of the hunting community. They're all for women empowerment. Um, they love the conservation messages that are out there and that I help try to promote. So, no, I'm really excited about Chronicles going full brand new episodes That's to so Carbon. Cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. And, and remind everybody when they actually start to go out. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm still on Sportsman's Channel, Skullbound, brand new season nine, airs right now, all brand new episodes. I'm right in the middle of my brand new season, so what? how that usually works is I produce 13 original episodes every year, yep. and then those 13 re-air after they're all fully played. So for 13 weeks, it's brand new episodes, and the following 13 weeks, they re-air again. Right. Um, that's how most people do it. I'm quarter one, two. Some people go quarter three, four. Um, those are airing. Those end in the end of June on the Sportsman's Channel. I'm on Monday nights. And then I'm brand new episodes will begin to air on Carbon TV, Skullbound Chronicles Season 2 in the end of june i believe cool yeah and when you do that are they much like your episodes that are on on air they yeah. they go out like kind of weekly or do you I'm do not them all sure at once yet. i'm not that's the nice thing though i don't yeah. i i've committed to 10 this year yep. i don't have to space them out exactly you know and you know how to hunts are some you go tagless some don't you know some are not really <laughs> worth 
putting out there, even though I've definitely done tagless episodes, I have two of them on this season. Right. I went into the backcountry here in Utah with Paul and Dee Servi, two of my best friends. We had an amazing five days. We camped out. We had a lot of great buck encounters. I never ended up even flinging an arrow, but it's an awesome episode. I mean, that's the reality of archery hunting. Yeah. So I do that one. Um, I do another episode where I have a muley and an antelope tag in Wyoming. I don't end up getting a muley, but I get an antelope. You know, so I still show that. I think it's important to show the reality of hunting. But um, with Carbon TV, my brand new episodes, they might not be every single week. They might be every other week kind of thing. I haven't quite yet decided, but 10 brand new ones will launch 2020. That's so cool. And I've got some really fun hunts. In fact, if anyone... um, Do they have a length time limit? Nope. That's cool, Whatever too. Whatever I want. Yeah, That's it's so cool. cool. And, like, let's say I'm on a hunt, and I sit down, like I have before, with some of the veterans that I take hunting, and we sit down, and they give me their backstory. It's sad when I've got to chop that backstory into one minute, two minutes for right. the network. <clears throat> I might make that its own episode. Right. I have interviewed some of, I mean, literally veterans who have changed the course of history. Um, you know, Clint Romache, Medal of Honor recipient. Um, Battle of Kamdash. He, I took him hunting. He's, he was my very first debut episode of season nine this year on Sportsman. It's aired already, but it will be re-airing in about five or six weeks. Like his story alone is worth a Chronicles episode to just break that apart so it can run 20, 30 minutes. For people who are interested in these men's story and women's right. stories, um, I think it's important to tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. So I'm hunting with, for example, um, Wishes for Warriors is a group I work a lot with. I'm hunting with Jonathan Blank this year. He, In fact, I just saw him today here at the expo. He and I are going elk hunting in Wyoming, again, at R&K, who have been so good to my veterans. Awesome. I'm going to R&K hunting in Wyoming and hunting elk again. So that's going to be a Chronicles episode. That's going to be awesome. That'll be so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back to the Dalles, Oregon, and fish for monster sturgeon this August. So that, and I'm going to have, I'm going to film it differently. I've done that episode a couple of times, and I'm telling you, it's insane. So... Anyone who knows anything about uh, sturgeon fishing, like depending on where you are, you know, to catch anything over five, six foot, like, wow, that's a fish of a lifetime kind of thing. But uh uh-uh. You go with Greg Gustafson (laughs) out of the Dalles, Oregon, and he guarantees you an eight-footer to the boat. And then when I first went with him the first time, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, what? How can you guarantee? Wait, wait. How can you guarantee? I don't get it. (laughs) Trust me when I say he has got it figured out. So Greg does, in fact, he does guided tours, too. If you are ever looking for the most epic tour, three-day sturgeon fishing adventure, he, uh, you meet at the boat launch in the Dells, Oregon. He will take you to his secret holes, and you will land monsters. I landed an almost 12-footer last year. It, this thing is bigger than the boat. It's insane. In fact, if you go back, you can see pictures of it on my Instagram. My Instagram is Skullbound TV. Um, insane fish, like fish that are older than the state of Oregon. Right. Like, but no, but this is another interesting thing about him. So he's like a guru when it comes to sturgeon. And he tells you all these amazing facts about sturgeon because they're prehistoric. I mean, if you've never touched a sturgeon, if you've not been up and close, they're, they just look fake. They're like something out. And when they're the size of your boat, it's insane. And they've got these cool spines and they're kind of like a, like a gator in a way, but a fish and a sh- they look like a shark when they come up out of the deep. It's so cool. And um, if you get a really, really big one, he'll take the time to, you can't pull him into the boat. You know, you just have right. to lean over and take a picture. <laughs> yeah. But he'll, you can get in the water with him and take a picture, and he'll get you closer to shore to get a really good photo. But I've never gone with him and not caught eight-plus fish, eight-foot-plus fish. So I'm going to go back and do that again in <laughs> August. I want to so film insane. it different. It's a tough, if it's a tough one to film because the cameraman is in the boat, but we're going to have a chase boat with us and film it from an opposite angle and maybe an aerial view. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. I think yeah. a drone would be oh, pretty yeah. wicked of that. Absolutely. We've had some tough days. <laughs> Especially of, you surface a 12-foot fish oh. on a drone foot oh, clip. Oh, yeah. That oh, would yeah. be so cool. It's insane because they come up and their big white bellies just it looks like <clears> a shark <throat> under the water. It's so cool. And they don't have teeth, so it's always, I've had so many people like, how oh, do you stick your hand in their mouth like they don't have teeth makes um, you feel a little better anyway well and you know you do, he doesn't waste the time with the smaller sturgeon because he uses the shad that are um, knocked out from the dam from coming over the dam so he uses a shad as bait the smaller sturgeon can't get it in their mouths so gotcha. you're only going to catch six plus foot sturgeon it's so cool so, so i'm nuts. excited to go back and do that in august um what else do I got going on? I'll probably do a bunch of coyote hunting. I just, uh, that mountain lion I got a couple weeks, uh, two weeks ago now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. with my handgun. 
that is going to be a Skullbone TV episode. Okay. It's also going to be a Chronicles episode. Awesome. So that'll be on there as well. And my little houndswoman, Taylor Woolers, she got a cat as well. I wasn't with her, but she filmed it. So I'll put that on Chronicles. Cool. So yeah, we've already got a bunch in the can and it's going to be, it's going to be fun because like I said, anywhere, anytime, shareable links. It's all good. Yeah, that is so cool. Well, <clears throat> I like I say, I, I've watched quite a lot of your shows, so I am definitely looking forward to that and just being able to binge watch or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. that's one of my favorite things about TV online. You just I feel like watching more. <laughs> and you all of a sudden look up and it's like three hours later. Yeah. Oh, then you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Have yeah, done that, that housework can wait. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I definitely want to touch on, there, you kind of hit a couple of interesting subjects, um, in my opinion. You talked about archery and how that's kind of always been your first love. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to dive into archery and what about archery is so, so intriguing to you and why, why archery? What, you know, why does it, why, why yeah. does it have your interest? Well, it's primitive, really. <laughs> I think it goes back into our DNA or something. Like, I just think it's... Um, it's primitive. It's, it, you know, and we, of course, have all this modernized weaponry. Every year, the bows just get better and better, and the arrows and the broadheads. And, but it's still so up close and personal with the game that you're hunting. Right. You know, I've bow hunted muley off the ground, elk, uh, whitetails, sick of deer in Maryland, tons of bear, antelope. And it just, it's a different style of hunting. Um, depending on the species you're talking about, um, I would almost always rather archery hunt. Hmm. The only one I can think of, and this is just my opinion, um, that I, I enjoy more with the rifle is antelope. Only because typical, I know you can spot and stalk, you know. Um, I only pull 50 pounds. I only shoot 50 yards at max. Uh, it's what I'm comfortable with mm -hmm. at an animal. And, you know, that could just be such a challenge at times. So versus sitting in a blind on waterhole, I still do it and it's super fun. But I love the spot and stalk public land antelope hunting in yeah. Montana. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's like one of my favorite hunts every year. We go up into Saskatchewan, sit on the ground with the bears. It's that sounds intense. so that cool. That episode just aired a couple of weeks ago where I took Paul and Dee Servi up there. And I have a podcast with Paul a little later. Oh, good. Yeah, I He's like a Paul. character. He's I a love them so much. They're the best. <clears throat> well, we took Dee up there, who right now, let's give a little shout out to. She is overseas in the Middle East yeah. uh, serving this amazing country of ours. I took Dee there this year in May. And it, it got Western for her the very first night. This, you got to go onto her page. She is D. Servi, but I think the S is a five. So it's D. Five, you know, five, yep, yep. Irvi, um, or on Mountain Goat Polly's page. But they <laughs> had just the craziest first night in Saskatchewan. We're all, we literally sit on the ground, no blinds. Uh, we sit typically in like those white, ugly plastic long chairs because it's comfortable. And you're sitting <laughs> seven, eight hours, you know. Right. And it's just intense. You're sitting about 15, 20 yards from the bait. Um, you know, it's the Boreal Forest. It's thicker than thick. You can just see these black shadows coming at you through the, <laughs> through the forest. And they had sows and cubs and boars chasing sows and just, I mean, literally chasing a snap in their jaws, running all around them that first night. The footage they got on their cell phones was absolutely crazy the first night. The second night... She actually ends up, Polly talks her into getting up out of her chair because time is ticking. It's fading. Light is fading. There's a monster boar on the bait. He will not give her a shot. She needs to go in from the side and try to make him nervous to stand and give her a broadside shot. <laughs> so she literally takes step by step. Um, he doesn't have footage of her creeping away because he's so focused on filming the bear. But she ends up getting out of her chair and like slowly taking a step closer and closer and closer she was at full draw four different times before she let down full draw number five fifth time ends up putting a great shot on this monster bear and her dad had passed away the week before we had gone up there and actually the week of the like two days before we left she wasn't going to go on a trip her family talked her into going up there um, her dad would not have wanted her to cancel right um, so it was a very emotional time anyway for her to be in the woods and she just and felt that happened. She know? felt so much gratitude for this bear, such a connection with her dad. You know, let's all face it. When we're in the woods or in the mountains, I feel such a connection to, you know, God, to our planet, to what life was used to be like. You know, you just right. feel appreciative. We're, we're pansies today. I mean, we live yeah. in a 
instant gratification world. Think about it. Back in the day, even 100 years ago, it was go fetch the water from the creek. You know, right, I mean, right. yeah. And we we're just pansies. And so when you're in the mountains or in the woods and you're hunting, you're connecting to that, she really was tapping into the gratitude she was feeling. And when she got that big bear and he was laying right there, she just lost it and started crying. And it was really emotional. And I really think it's a beautiful episode of what hunting can really mean to people. Um, the connections, the deep connections that we have to our planet, our family, our friends. And uh, anyway, it's one of my favorite archery hunts. That's so cool. If you've never done it, you got to do it. You yeah, gotta do I, it. I've, I've never really got into bears. I filmed <clears throat> a couple Canada black bear hunts this past year. And, uh-huh. and even then, I mean, we were, we were six yards from the one yeah. or seven. I'm close. I mean, yeah. f- close. Yeah. And I just was, I don't, maybe if I would have been the hunter, it would have been different. Uh-huh. But I was still thinking to myself, like, it's just a bear. Oh. And I don't know. I'm so I don't opposite. know. I don't so know opposite. why. I've never shot one. Yeah. You yeah. know, but. Uh, well, I seem to get freaked out the more I shoot them. So I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that. And Polly and I have bear mojo, I'm telling you, because we have had the craziest bear encounters uh, that anyone I know. I'm not kidding. So I'm a huge bear hunter. I, I hunt bear more than any other big game species. First off, because I live in Montana, and it's an over-the-counter tag where I live. Yep. Uh, it's all spot and stock. Um, you can archery hunt it, but it's just really challenging. So it's all, for me, it's all rifle, spot, and stock. Then I run my own baits in Idaho with my buddy Heath, and that's right, it's only an hour from my house. So I've got Idaho oh, baits perfect. running, I'm going up into Canada bear baiting, and then I have my a DIY Montana. So I literally hunt bears nests. I've killed, I think, 13 <laughs> or 14, and I love it so much. But I also... I love the meat. And you it's, have a bear claw necklace. That's actually mountain lion. Mount, Is it mountain that's lion? A mountain it lion. looks awesome. Oh, thank you. Baby. Yeah, that's a cat I killed cool. like six years ago. That's super cool. Well, bear bear and mountain lion and wolf, and coyote, it's so misunderstood by people. They don't understand the balance of it all. Up in Saskatchewan, for example, it is absolutely loaded with bear if they don't manage some of the bear population the moose population suffers like with idaho montana if we don't manage the predators mountain lion wolf bear coyote bobcat they that it's just a trickle-down effect and then they've done a lot of studies studies show that knocking down their numbers do help the ungulate populations the deer the antelope the muleys the whiteys i don't know how it couldn't I well, mean, how could you argue that? Well, like, trust me, they can. Oh, I yeah. see, I see it on yeah, social media all tried. the time. Nature balances itself out. No, it truly <laughs> doesn't. Ask any real scientist or biologist. Because we're encroaching on their habitat, we are making, we are the ones causing them to get thrown out, thrown out of their areas. We're throwing yeah. off the numbers. You know, it's just, and I'm not saying that it's a perfect science in any way, shape, or form. Wildlife management is not a perfect science. But it's proven, for example, here in Utah, when one of the units, I don't remember the number, they did a collaring of the muley fawns last year. They collared 30 fawns. Not one of them survived. Right. And almost all of them were due to mountain lion. So clearly we need to do a little. Now, the houndsmen would disagree with you. The guys who love the chase and don't kill, they would disagree. Oh, I go hundreds of miles without cutting a track. Um, I, I disagree. My friends... Uh, for example, in Utah here, they have killed 20 mountain lions so far this year in just their little area. Right. It, it's overrun in some areas. And I'm not saying all areas are like that, but they need to be managed and it's misunderstood. And and I think another thing that even makes mountain lions even more misunderstood is that the average person doesn't see them. Exactly. So y- you kind of go out of sight, out of mind. You no, know, for sure. Not there. Aren't those endangered? Yeah. I mean, I've gotten yeah. that on all my posts, um, <laughs> as well as a couple other nice words I get called. But uh, no, they're not endangered. It's um, like Fred Eichler. I had him on the podcast. I love and, Fred. And they like slayed him over oh. that mountain lion. Poor guy. He's oh. such a nice guy. Fred too. and his wife Michelle are some of the nicest people. They're <laughs> yeah. so great. And, you know, that's just, it just, honestly, if we boil it down, it just comes from ignorance. People don't understand. I understand that perception. I get when you did not grow up in a hunting family, you've watched tons of Disney movies, you think the Lion King is the way it is in the real world. I understand that that's their perspective, Mm -hmm. but when they don't come at you with any educational formed questions, like... If someone does pose to me a question like, I thought those were endangered, I will absolutely get into a discussion about that. Right. You know, about the Bitterroot Elk Study, about how uh, the effect on predation here in Utah. I will get into any content. But if they start with the name calling, you know, the C word, the B word, and everything in between, which right. happens a lot. I bet. I just got a message on Twitter that I had to snap capture because I couldn't believe a human being said that to another. I mean, it was 
if you think of the nastiest, meanest, most disgusting thing you could say to somebody, this guy on Twitter said it to me in a DM. And it's unbelievable. And usually it's right there. I have, and I, I go back to especially my mountain lion and bear pictures every day to check and make sure. Because I don't want kids reading those messages. I don't want. But shame on you. Shame on you yep. for being so vile and disgusting and coming from such a place of, like, ignorance. And, and disdain. Like, it's like pure hate for no, they, they don't really know why. And, and when I say they, I, that's not really fair because I mean any person that is willing to engage in a conversation and not be informed so they form an opinion without being informed about yeah. anything. I just right. mean hunting. Right. Every time, oh, any yeah, topic. Any topic. If you're willing to get upset about it and have an opinion and then you're not informed on top of that, come on. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's hard. I, just like they're not going to change my mind, I'm probably not going to change most anti-hunting. What right. I, and I don't care about the antis. Who I care about is the 85% of people, almost 90% now, who they, they don't hunt. But they're not anti. They really don't have they're an opinion. Right about the and they're kind of in the middle. They don't really, <clears throat> oh, yeah, they, they probably, yeah, it's probably a good thing, but I'm never going to get it. Whatever. Those are the people that we need their support from. Right. We're not going to change the crazy antis. They're not going to change us. Um, but we just need to inform the middle of the roaders who don't have an opinion, who don't understand that we hunters are the ones paying for the majority of wildlife management in this country. Mm -hmm. That every time we buy a license, every time we purchase a duck stamp, every time we buy a hunting related product that's taxed and that incise tax is going, it's the Pittman-Robinson Act, that's all they have to look up, 1938, I believe, 37. Look that up and look at the billions of dollars hunters raise every single year that goes back to wildlife management. Right. And uh, you know, if you, if I go and I buy a Wisconsin deer hunting license, a lot of that money of that license is going back to the Wisconsin DNR. And that DNR can use that money for funding its biology studies. Um, for example, um, there was a herd uh, out on the Antelope Island. The ram herd got annihilated with pneumonia, right? Mm -hmm. They all came down with pneumonia, had to clear the herd out. <clears throat> well, that herd just got reinstated. How did that herd get reinstated? From hunter's dollars. Right. Hunter's dollars. Um, in some form or fashion, whether it was the conservation groups or don't, there was a donation from a major camel company this year that was fantastic to help get that project done. But again, we're all hunters. Mm -hmm. And through the Pittman-Robertson Act or through conservation groups, that's how our animals are staying healthy. That's how the herds are, are remaining sustainable. I mean, we are all animal lovers, and that is such a missed message to that group, to those right. 85 percenters. Yep, I agree. And, and it couldn't have been said better because it's, I, th I think the majority of it comes down to misconception. Yes. And it, and it comes down to a preconceived thought or idea that that's what they're set on. Well, look at the, the Cecil the Lion. It's People say Cecil. Apparently it was Cecil. <laughs> Cecil the Lion debacle. Look at that. If if the It's funny how mainstream media jumped all over that, right? That right. poor dentist jumped all over the guy killing the lion, which he killed legally. Yeah. Um, because the people in the park knew who it was. It had a name. La, la, la. So then this outrage, go, you know... <laughs> Kids cried across the world, and then they shut down lion hunting. They have no idea of, was it two years later they went in there and they culled, culled 200 lions, which means went in and slaughtered, just slaughtered yeah, 200 slaughtered. lions yeah. without the They don't understand that. Like, lion isn't on my list, but I have, if you are hunting and it's ethical and legal, more power to you. Right. What I, I might not want to hunt doesn't mean someone else isn't going to want to. Exactly. But if someone is willing to pay, let's say, $25,000 to go kill an African lion, a lot of that money is going back into the government, the schools, the water yeah, system. Yeah, community And, and anti-poaching patrols. Right. So when those funds are cut from the hunters willing to pay that for the adventure of a lifetime, for, you know, for the rug, for whatever his or her reasons are, when, that, when those hunters' dollars are used in that way, I think it could change a lot of people's minds. But mainstream media will never talk about that. And notice, mainstream media never talked about the culling of those 200. Because, oh, that might make people... They, mainstream make media... change their mind. Yeah. Mainstream <laughs> media spins things the way they want to see it, and they are not hunter-friendly. Well, yeah, it's no different than going to court and the, the lawyers, they're going to spin it the way that benefits their client. Yep. Same with mainstream media. Yep. You know? it's so, and it's, it's sad that there are a lot of famous people that hunt 
I mean, look at Chris Pratt. He is one of the few that stands really tall behind hunting. He did an interview. Like Joe Rogan, too. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You know. Joe is big, big into it now. And he comes from a place of, you know, not sure if he wanted to go the vegan route or go. He knew he wanted to get away from farmed animals. Right. Um, he wasn't sure what route to go. I think that's a beautiful perspective that he comes from. Um, but a lot of famous people, a lot of country music singers, I know a lot of them. I'm friends with them. They hunt their butts off. They're not allowed to even talk about hunting in any right. way, you know, contractually speaking. And that's sad. We've got to change that. And there are there are wonderful things going on that is changing the narrative. If you, I just, um, I did a piece with Blood Origins this year. I met Robbie Kroger last year. I was honored enough to be filmed by him. Blood Origins is on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. You can go watch it for free. It's on YouTube as well. And they're people's why stories. Why do you hunt? Mm -hmm. And there's no kill shots in them. There's no, but they're filmed in such an emotional, beautiful way that that's exactly what the 85%ers or 90%ers right. need to see of why we hunt, what it means to us, what our connection to nature is. Um, I'm excited for my episode to drop this year, as well as a lot of the episodes I've seen coming out are really, really good. That's the kind of narrative we need to push more. Right. Absolutely. Well, it looks like we have about 10 minutes left. Fire them at me. I would love to hear about the whitetail. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there were, there were, some, other, there were some other topics that I would love to touch on. Yeah. Um, you know, like one, for instance, when, we, when you had mentioned that uh, we were kind of discussing very briefly the ways to get somebody started in hunting. Yeah. And me being a father, like I, my seven-year-old, for instance, he loves it, but there's days when he doesn't want to go. Right. You know, and it's like, I, it really made me think of it when you said that, because it's like, yeah, if every time I went, I made him go, he wouldn't love it. Right, right, right. You know, and it's no different than when you, you know, you mentioned probably not giving somebody a weapon right away. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. But I, uh, I, that, that's a huge passion of mine is getting kids involved and things like that. But I would love to hear the whitetail story. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> this has been a very transitional year for me, you know, 2019. And I, um, I'm all authentic about it. I feel comfortable talking about it. You know, Jim and I broke up uh, earlier this year in 2019, and it was a tough transition because we were boyfriend-girlfriend. We had a business together. We had Skullbone together. Like, I was thrown a loop into what is my life going to look like now? Do I want to continue on with, with what I'm doing? And, and, you know, slowly over the months, and you just, you know, it's really tough. It's like a divorce. It was like a divorce. You know, it was a very hard breakup. And in the time of that transition, you know, I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of podcasts, a lot, listening to podcasts, reading a lot, and um, figuring out how to shift my paradigm instead of, you know, when bad things happen in your life, we can either say, how could this happen to me? Or we can say, okay, what am I to learn from this? And it took watching The Secret, the movie The Secret. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen it or mm -hmm. heard of it. It's a doc. It's a book, which I would recommend reading the book. But if you don't have time for the book, watch the hour and a half documentary. It's on Amazon again. It's it, you have to buy it or or buy it or rent it. Don't rent it. Buy it because you'll watch it like way more than once. <laughs> it's basically the concept of the law of attraction. Right. That what you put out there is what you get back at you. And it's the reason why I do every podcast that ever asks me. It's why I I go through almost every open door. You never know what's going to be out there. The energy that you give to somebody or the hey way to go is going to come back at you. Right. Yeah. In everything, in business, in personal lives, and whatever. So, you know, this summer was a definite transitional summer for me. And uh, just started to really get my feet under me. I've hired three new cameramen. I've got an, a great, awesome editor and a backup editor. Like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to move it. I'm going to shift to Carbon TV and what it all looks like. It was a really transitional year for me. My dad, and, and then at the same time, I've been hunting with my dad. I mean, since I, w I could walk. And so cool. Yeah, we love whitetail hunting together. But he's getting to be older. He's uh -huh. 78 years old. He's slowing down a little bit. Not in life, but in hunting. You know, he never even made it up to his cabin in Wisconsin one time during archery season. Not even once. So he owns a big chunk of woods up in uh, just north of the Wisconsin Dells. And I've hunted with him there the last 20 years. He's owned his cabin there. Well, he said, I think I have a buyer on the line. And he's had it for sale for a couple of years, but it's a pretty unique place. And it would take a special buyer to buy it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to fly in. I'll fly. I kind of planned it last minute. I'm going to fly in. I'll, I'll hunt. I'll fly in Friday. I'll hunt Saturday, Sunday. I'll see my mom on Monday and I'll fly out. It'll be a super short visit. 
and um, you know, not knowing. And, and this is not your typical Wisconsin bow hunter. I mean, they typical has cameras on every tree, got food plots going. You know, they're obsessed because. It's the only big game hunting really there is. I mean, there's bear and moose in way northern Wisconsin, but most people, it's whitetails. Right. Whitetails and turkeys. So, um, but this is not that kind of place. This is my dad's cabin. It's his getaway cabin. He might get up there one time in the summer. He used to get up there in the fall a lot, but he's getting older. So there's no trail cameras. There's no food plots. I've killed a lot of bucks there in the last 20 years. A lot of uh, Pope and Young bucks, you know, nice 130s bucks. We do not pass on anything 120 or above. Well, I mean, I've shot smaller than that. But, um, you know, basically the rule of my dad's is if you shoot it, you mount it. So you're a little selective, but we're not uberly selective because he doesn't have like big buck management in place. There is, like I said, he doesn't see what's out there. He doesn't know what's out there with the tree. There's no trail cameras. He doesn't plant food plots for the deer. So there, if anyone around us is planting food plots, they're probably over in those food (laughs) plots, you know, but it's still such a, it's the quintessential Wisconsin deer camp. You know, everybody Friday night, my, you know, uncle Bill is there and my stepson, Brennan and, my dad and our friends and Allie and we're all up there and we've got Jeremiah Johnson playing on the TV. We're making a fish fry. It's like, it's seriously. Hot look, toddies. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh no, Brandy Manhattan's. But if you look up Wisconsin deer camp, that's, that's what we do. And if someone happens to kill a buck, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, icing. Like my dad's dad used to say, my grandpa used to say, nothing ruins a good deer camp like someone killing a buck. <laughs> that's the kind of place this is, right? And, uh, so we go up there, and I'm feeling so much gratitude just because the plane had stabilized, let's say. You know, my, my plane had finally stabilized. All I your stuff feel, Yeah, stuff's falling into, falling into place. Yeah. I absolutely love Montana. I'm going to stay there. You know, everything is in place. And I was just in this cab. This might be my very last weekend at this cabin. So I was sitting there. I actually went out. It's on my story. If you go onto my Instagram story, it's highlighted. So if you go watch, you'll see. Like, like I'm just, I'm Friday, I'm trampsing out to my tree stand to make sure. Because I wanted to sit in one of the first stands I ever sat in. Uh-huh. Just nostalgic. That's why I chose that right, stand. Right. But for all I knew, it could have been tipped over by the wind. No one's been up there all year. Who and knows? it's like rickety. I wanted to make sure the staircase wasn't like falling apart and the roof hadn't collapsed in. I mean, this is a POS wooden box line, right? So I go out there Friday. I literally had to football punch my way through the door at a warp shut and I couldn't get in. So good thing I went out there Friday to check it out. So anyway, I'm sitting there Saturday morning. The sun's coming up. There's glistening um, frost on everything and I'm just feeling so much gratitude. The sun is shining in on me. I'm I'm filming with my phone, you know, like this is so awesome. Um, I'm sitting there and a couple hours had gone by. I saw a few doe off in the distance and it's kind of it's not the best choice to stand because I have a little opening to my right, a little field, and then thick, thick trees, and kind of one little corridor off to my left, uh-huh. and then a little bit open below me. But, you know, I'm, I really, if they come to my right, it's my, my only real good shot. But I'm glancing off to my left, and I saw a white flicker of a tail. And I get down on my scope, and I look, and about, it's like I said, that one corridor. You right, can actually right. see a bit of ways, about probably 150 yards. And right at the end of where I could see, I saw a flicker of a tail. I get down behind the scope. I see a doe. And all of a sudden, what comes out is this, a buck hot on her trail. Like, nose up her tail, <laughs> hot on her tail. Right? So I'm like, oh, there's a hot buck in the area. That's awesome. And a hot doe. Like, this is awesome. And they went running off. I moved to the back window. This is, a, like I said, a big, huge wooden box line. But I had no shots in the back window. Um, and I could see their feet moving through the trees, like, way off in the distance. But it's pretty thick. There's no shots. But I got excited. Like, I'm pretty sure that was a shooter buck. I only got a glimpse of them, right? Right. I sit back in my chair, and I'm all excited. And I'm trying to think, okay, Allie is sitting. If he goes in that direction, Allie might get a glimpse at him. This is going to be so great. All of a sudden, I hear, Chick- of the leaves and I look out my window and there he is directly below me. Oh my gosh. So what made him come back off that doe I, last time I'd seen him was his hoofs through the trees 100 yards, going the opposite direction. Literally within a right. minute, minute, half he's below me. It was divine. I bet you wish you'd had your bow. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I could have stuck him with my pistol. That would have been awesome. Oh. That would have been so awesome. With my 429, yeah. oh, Desert Eagle would have been amazing. That is so, so cool. I could not even get him in my rifle because he was walking right by the stairs of the blind. So I had to get up out of my creakety metal chair, move to the back window, got down on my nozzler. He's out now at about 30 yards. I grunt at him. I just do a burnt. He turns, boom, I fire. 
He run. I had my 26 Nazler. He runs off behind the trees, and I then I turn my phone on, and that's real and authentic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just I think I just shot a good ball. And you know, in your mind, like. You don't sit and stare at the rack and like analyze. I'm like either shooter or no. Yeah. That's what I when whitetail right. hunting like that. Oh, yes, I'm going to shoot or yeah, no, I'm not. Yep. I don't really analyze them, especially during rifle. Yeah. I was freaking. I'm like, oh my god, I have no idea really what I shot. I'm pretty sure he's really nice. Oh my gosh, he's awesome. So I get down and I walk up and that's all live on the fly on my Instagram story. I'm because I'm by myself. It's the first year in ten yeah. years I haven't had a cameraman by my side. I'm by myself. I'm at my dad's. I walk up to this 16-pointer. Yeah. Who that's is what just I saw. I was like, oh. amazing. He's got a huge nine on one side, seven on the other. He scored. He's he's um, two-eighths shy of 170. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, oh I really, truly goodness. believe divine intervention. Like, divine intervention. It was, uh, and then I just, I kind of choked up a bit. The next day, I was sitting there in reflection, and, just feeling the gratitude and the love. Did you convince your dad not to sell it? Well, yeah, no. Actually, you know what's really funny? That buyer fell through. So, oh, so it might not actually fit my last weekend. I really, though, hope he, he wants to sell. I right, want my dad right. happy. He wants to spend more time in Florida. But it was seriously one of the most amazing days I have ever had in my entire life. I, you know, this is cool. I was telling someone this story at SHOT Show a couple weeks ago. My friend Brandon Lilly, who's just this soulful guy. And we're at lunch, and I'm telling him the story. And I said, Brandon, it was, it was like the woods were glowing all around me. I sat there with that buck, spinning him in my hands, and it was literally like the woods were glowing. And without skipping a beat, he says to me, Jana, did you ever think that maybe you were the one making the woods glow? And I, yeah, I just started crying. Like, this is just an awesome moment. That day was awesome. That lunch with Brand, Brandon Lily a couple weeks ago was awesome. And it was one of my favorite days that I'll probably talk about forever. That is, that is so cool. Well, <laughs> I can't, I, I could, I could ask you all sorts of stuff about that hunt, but well, I know well, you got to go. We'll do another podcast. Yeah, we will for sure. <laughs> I just, I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your day because I know you're busy here. Well, so it's hop a good on the place podcast. So thank you. Jana Banana. No. Like, yeah, no, that's what everybody calls me. I, uh, that or Sherman, my nickname from when I was a kid. So Sherman. Sherman, I'll have to as ask in about tank, that next as time. in plows through everything. Oh, yeah. So, uh, no, it was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much yeah. for the invite, and Thank hopefully you. this is just the start of many more together. Absolutely.